the real behind the scenes story is my wife, who has got really nice handwriting. Uh, I was asking her to create these doodles. And um, I'll never forget, I was part of a, a Bill Glazer mastermind back around 2007. And um, between Bill Glazer finding out about it, because I showed him, and then if you want, I'll tell you a quick, very cool Dan Kennedy story, and Dan Kennedy catching wind. I showed him these doodles I was using. I said, listen, I have a way, I have a, I've created this really cool library. I call them copy doodles. And um, it just took off. Welcome to the Innovative Founder. The show where entrepreneurs get real. real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Rignaris and Brandon Boyd. Hello, founders. Welcome to the we, show. We are back. Back. We, we have to say, and I guess we're letting people behind the curtain, that it's been a little while since we've recorded a show. We got it really is. ahead of ourselves. Yes. Because you were doing some traveling. Yeah. And now we're going to get ahead again because Bob's doing some traveling. Bob's doing so some traveling. Where are we you actually, going? Well, I'm I'm heading down to Tampa okay. uh, for a couple of weeks. Going to play some golf. And then uh, our daughters, our adult daughters are flying down to meet us for a week of vacation. We're going to do some beach and then we're going to spend some days. Uh, we are going to pay homage to the Great Mouse for, for three days at the end of the trip. So, <laughs> the Great Mouse. Yeah, we, we, we are going to turn over oh hard God. earned dollars to the to the, the mighty are mouse. Are you a Disney fan? Are you? Yeah, yeah you? but not like. If you look in our house, there ain't yeah. a freaking like you'd have to find like where where's the Disney stuff? Like we've got yeah, some I've, old I've movies. There. Yeah. I don't like we we are not like we are not standing in line for Disney stuff. We're not yeah. collectors of Disney stuff. Yeah. But we do like and it's not like an every year thing necessarily. It's like we go down and enjoy the experience. It's a really nice place to visit as a family. So that's that's what we're doing. Yeah, we are not we are not there going nuts over it. Is it's just that's a place we like to go. Does that make sense? Yeah, I got you. I'm, I'm not I crazy. You. I, had, I needed to detect what level of Disney fan you are. See, but... the fact that you didn't even know lets you know that that's we're probably the appropriate. Yeah. We're the appropriate level of Disney. The appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> You're not, you haven't moved the needle to the red zone of crazy. Yeah, like, you, you know your hats and constant sweatshirt wearing and. You know? No, I mean, you look around my office, it's an no, homage to the Blackhawks really... and White Sox. Like, right. okay, it's very obvious, like Clearly. Bob's bobblehead connection, and like, okay, yes. I know what Bob's obsessed with. Yeah, and it's not Disney, not so, Disney today. So right. it may surprise you, but Fair enough. yeah, that, that's that's what we're gonna do. Fair enough. Um, you uh since we've we've talked last, you you went down to the big easy. Big easy, uh, my favorite city in the US. Of New yeah. Orleans. Uh, it's such a lovely artsy music, food. I tell you, it's like walking onto the set of a movie. There's all these characters. Everybody in in New Orleans, uh, you know, outside of the tourists, just have some interesting trait about them that mm. turns them into a lovely character, whether it's the the person helping you check in at the hotel or you're walking down the street and the performers. It's, it's just so such a beautiful, interesting place. Got to uh, spend some great time um, with a future guest, Britt Lefko, who's a tremendous coach and got to spend time with Perry Marshall, a past guest in, in, in that workshop and that group. But uh, yeah, great food had um, went and saw some art, went to listen to some music and, and just got to be, uh, entertained by the uh, personalities on Bourbon Street. Uh, we didn't, we weren't, we were there just before Mardi Gras. We weren't really staying through the weekend. So it was pretty tame, um, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. So, but still just a lovely time, just lovely people. I imagine there's not, and I've never been, and I was disappointed I couldn't go with you, but um, it seems like it's very unique place in the United States. I'm mm -hmm. not sure there's another city like it. Mm -hmm. I, I would agree. I mean, I've, I've been, did some traveling and I surely haven't been to all, but um, it has so much personality. I think that the way the, the architecture of French Quarter is just so interesting. And 
it it forces a a kind of um what is it? it it creates an atmosphere of a downtown area that I've I haven't seen anywhere else hmm. at least in the U.S. It's it's just very cozy, very narrow streets. It's almost borderline. You can't even drive down there because of the narrowness. And I think that just creates a more yeah I don't know cozy, intimate space for that is very conducive to walking that that to to exploring by by foot than it is by car. So that's one thing. And the architecture is something I love. Uh, the nooks and crannies of, of the French Quarter, the um, the, the colorful way, the use of, uh, of paint and, and, again, architecture and wrought iron, things like that. Just lots of fun, lots of personality down there. Cool. So we'd love to hear from people uh, who call New Orleans their their home. Let's uh, let's let's hear from you. Yeah. Was, Brand, was Brandon accurate? What did, what did Brandon miss when he was done? What did I miss? So. Yeah. What I, now I ate beignets. I went and got some 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 coffee and beignets and um, king cake and. Uh, did, and did you ha- did you have some gumbo? Huh. You had some gumbo a couple okay. times. Yeah. Gumbo was All delicious. Right. Delicious. Uh, I think I had redfish. I think I think redfish is a New Orleans so. thing or at least Thanks. a southern thing. <clears throat> so. Yes, very much, very much had a lovely time. Awesome. Well, today, uh, really excited to bring this show to you. I uh, was able to reconnect with uh, an old friend, uh, Mike Capuzzi. And yeah, we're both old, so we can say that. Uh, Mike Mike is a uh, marketer out of Philly, uh, from the Philly area. I met Mike, gosh, back in 2005, I think, for the first time. And uh uh, really got to know him as a as a marketer, know him as a friend, and uh, we had lost just like it just like happens, Brandon. You, you kind of lose touch with people over the years, and uh, it was really good. Uh, a couple months ago, I had a chance to get on the phone with Mike um, and just reconnect, and uh, it was just good. So uh, it just it's it's a reminder to us, like it's it's there's people that you connect with. And then you do lose touch. It's just part of human nature. But if the if they're good friends, you kind of rekindle that flame within the first few minutes we get on a call. Yeah, yeah. Like that. That was just a lesson to me. And and you know, I'm kind of looking through old emails and old contacts, going, you know, I haven't talked to that person in a while, and I'm thinking I should send them an email. But after listening to this episode, instead of writing an email, I think I might write them a handwritten letter. And so that's a little tease about, I think, what you're going to find interesting about uh, this interview with Mike. So um, enjoy this interview, this conversation with uh, Mr. Mike Capuzzi. Well, founders, it is good to be with you. And I am really excited. Uh, We got a let's just call it an old friend, Mike, because we're old. Let's just (laughs) let's just call it the way it is. Damn it. (laughs) Um, Introduce a a friend of mine, Mike Capuzzi. He is uh, from outside of Philly, um, has been in direct marketing circles with me. We have been at numerous Dan Kennedy events, other marketing events, masterminds. um, And it's been a couple of years since we had a chance to be uh, face to face. And we reconnected a few weeks ago, a few months ago. And it's been good to kind of rekindle that relationship. And I said, I got to have Mike on the show and introduce him to Brandon. So Mike, that's a good buildup, huh? It is. And it's, it is scary, Bob, how I, could, I think we're measuring it in decades. Uh, oh my. Known At each this other. Point. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. But <laughs> no, it's always good to talk to you. You do, you, you've done great things. You've reinvented yourself just like uh, Brandon and I have, and uh, just love to dig into some of those stories today. So I'd like just to start out, Mike, what are you excited about right now? It doesn't have to be re- business related. You you mentioned you're going on a trip. Why don't you start with that? Where, where are you taking the family? Uh, yeah, we're getting ready to head out to, to Breckenridge out in the Summit County, Colorado for some skiing. So uh, I guess late, late winter, early spring kind of a trip. But uh, and Brandon, I don't, you know, my, my wife tracks all that. So she said there's plenty of snow. So uh, if she could, says so, I, yeah, I, I believe it. I'm still seeing plenty of snow on the peaks over here. Yeah. So we're, we're looking forward to that as a and it's, it comes at a perfect time, Bob, because we've just been majorly <laughs> crunched with projects and stuff. So it's a, a good little a good little break. And uh, hopefully we won't break anything out there, but uh, it'll be a good break for all of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about business related? What, what's what's going on that's got you excited oh for this uh, this I'll, part of the year? Actually, it's really amazing because I cannot believe I'm falling for the hype. 
And you Uh-oh. and I haven't even talked about this offline. Uh-oh. I'm gonna hit I'm gonna hit you from left field. <laughs> what am I really excited about? Yeah. Uh, like geek, like my wife's, I'm, I've been driving her nuts for a week now. <laughs> uh, AI in marketing. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Here we go. Here we go. I am a friggin' mazed. <laughs> You've been playing around with the, the chat. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So what's, what's, so, so being in, you're in doing what you do, you're the, you're one who's been kind of pioneered the short book. Um, You've, you've sounds like you've built a tremendous business off of that and help people do that. And now this automated tool comes online. Give us your initial thoughts, responses. Yeah, Brandon, I'll tell you. So I'm not one to fall for like the latest fad or anything, right? Yeah. So it's been a couple, I mean, AI has been out there for a little while, right? Yeah. Obviously. Now, ChatGPT and all the new stuff that's coming out with Microsoft and Google and all that, uh, competitors and such. I mean, we're talking... For, for the most part, a couple months in, in mainstream. And I've been watching it like, uh, you know, what the heck here? You know, because I don't, yeah. social media, I'm like, no, TikTok, never been on it. You know, I'm not, in, you know, I'm bragging because it's just, I don't, you know, yeah. Instagram, never been on it. Maybe I'm cutting my, you know, shortchanging myself, but I just don't fall for that stuff. It just doesn't, I, I don't, you know, it's not me. Sure. So I, I really resisted even with this. But uh, a friend of mine wrote a book. <laughs> A uh, really decent book. I can't believe it's uh, an it, it intrigued me. Um, well, because he wrote it so fast, and obviously he used ChatGPT to, to write it, but uh, it, it opened my eyes. It got me like, okay, well, maybe let me go check it out. And um, wow, wow, wow! So all I can say, like, from a, from a marketer standpoint, for the kind of stuff you know the three of us do, mm-hmm. just to be able to ask it really intelligent questions and get real-time feedback that uh is it is basically a uh you know um an you know aggregation of what is out there on the internet is pretty amazing and then Mm -hmm. (laughs) to use it for copywriting prompts and even copywriting content oh my gosh yeah I, I feel compelled. I was, I was playing with it last night and I feel like, oh my gosh, I should get a book out there. Cause all, if you notice on Amazon, there's a bunch of people cranking out books right now. Just to, oh, yeah. you, know, you know, and they're all like, they're, you know, make, I saw one like build a million dollar business with chat GP, you know, chat GPT millionaire. And I sort of chuckled like, oh, there we yeah. go. Right. Yeah. It's already, it's already happening. The marketers are already going to bastardize this <laughs> and ruin it for all of us. They but, ruin uh, everything. Don't we? They, they do. I say they, cause I don't, I try not to do, you know, but yes, it's, we it's are like, how they. long before this gets yeah. shut down, locked down, you know, yeah. whatever. But for a tool to use it as a tool and, and knowing how to use it, cause you have to be intelligent in how you use it. That's the only way you could get feedback. Pretty amazing. It feels like, go ahead, Bob. Oh, it feels like to me, Mike and Brandon, that you know, in in our in our in our like we talk about decades. So when when Google AdWords became like a thing, that was revolutionary. And then when Facebook became a thing and, and invaded the culture, that was a thing. It feels like this is the next thing. So yeah. I can see why people are excited. I could see the hype. The applications are still like, we got to figure those out. But certainly those of us that have played with the technology or used it in our business are going, okay, this is like, we know we've been through enough cycles to know this, this is important, right? It's a disruptor. And, yeah. Yeah. It, it yeah. feels that way. Um, a friend of ours, um, he actually helped me write. He was one of the co-authors of the Facebook book. Um, uh, is basically saying like this is akin to the printing press. Now, you know, Thomas is like not that type of person, but but Tom Aloche like told me he's like, hey, this is this feels like Gutenberg, and I'm yeah. like, wow. For a guy that doesn't believe in hype, for him to use that kind of terminology, I'm right. like, that's that's pretty serious. And, and, you know, Bob, I'm waiting. I don't know if you get Dan Kennedy's newsletter, his private newsletter, where he's like really just talking like amongst friends. I don't know if you get, do you get that? No, I don't. Uh, the, Dan, yeah, the Dan Kennedy letter. Um, so I am, he hasn't written about it yet, but I can't wait to hear his opinion on this because <laughs> Dan is so old. I mean, honestly, 
if this was around 30, 40 years ago when Dan was cutting his teeth on writing copy and stuff, yeah, you know, he would have been probably all over it. Um, but it has the potential to allow a lot of people to do shortcuts, which I don't believe in. Like I believe in the 10,000 yeah. hour, you got it. You really, yeah. need, you're going to be a good marketer copier and really be authentic and, and, and add value to your clients, et cetera. If that's you know, what you're working with or to your own business, you got to know that, you know, you got to know how to use the tools. It just can't be, you know, push a button and it does it for me. And I'm happy with that. So I, I, you know, but it has the potential to replace all that in my opinion. It's so interesting. We live in this era of watching the internet be born. And now here we are watching chat GPT be born. It's quite an interesting time to be alive. These are two major, major innovations in our society. And I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I think about the, the evolution of the, the web and then the boom and the bust of, and all of that, how the, the trends went. I'm very curious to try to predict how this, how chat can, can, can move over the next several years. I know there's a lot of people publishing books that everyone is figuring out the prompts. So it sounds so human that not even Google can figure out if it's a robot or not. Um, they're talking about it. Um, killing seo i heard that the other day like some guys on the tiktok yelling about up oh, seo's dead it's all dead everything you know <laughs> doom and gloom the end of the world you know so i'm just i'm very curious how to navigate it to see where it's going to go but initially it seems like a tremendous helper idea mm -hmm. generator um assistant um being someone who has written copy and has an appreciation for copy i'm I, I'm hesitant. I'm asking, I, I want to publicly say, no, it's never going to replace a human. And then in the back, I'm like, is it going to replace a human? <laughs> well, Brandon, the way a lot of people write, you know, direct response copy, it probably could replace a, a majority of them because, you know, a yeah. lot of people write pretty crappy copy. They haven't, again, they haven't mastered the skill. It's not just about reading a book. Uh, it's not just about reusing a tool like ChatGPT. It is about immersing yourself in the history. How do they do it 100? I mean, I know this is going to sound really geeky, but again, I think I'm, a, I'm amongst you know, kindred folk here. You got to study the greats, you know, even yeah. beyond Dan Kennedy, you know, Gary Halbert, all those guys, the, the guys that came before them, Ogilvy, uh, you know, all the guys that are, you know, I, I have a whole library over here. But, yeah. Um, yeah. And you need to understand emotional-based direct response copy before any bot is going to replace it, but it's good. Yeah. This is, it's definitely got the feel of what is the chess match that happened way back when? Oh yeah. The human Kas and the Kasparov, wasn't it? Yeah. Quite interesting. That was a revolutionary moment. Right. Yeah, yeah. And um, cause they wanted to prove that the human could beat at some point, you know, they wanted to say that they want to prove that humans are still superior and they didn't. What happened? Do you guys remember? Because I remember that, but I, I thought the computer won. I'm, I I'm think the computer sure. won. Yeah. Of course, we're going to get a bunch of email now like, hey, you're wrong. We'll, yeah, we'll you're wrong. Yeah. Figure that out. But, right. you know, I, I guess kind of the, the, the closing remark here is technology is always a disruptor. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, I can remember when I was a kid that, you know, you had to have a gas attendant pump your gas. <laughs> That right. there was real checkout people. We still do that in New Jersey, at, by the you're way. Old. Yeah. <laughs> at grocery yeah. stores, right? Now, like the, there's more self-checkout lines than, and, than checkout people, right? The technology replaces things that are mundane or can be automated, right? You know, kiosks in a fast food restaurant. Like these are all things that technology replaces. But I what what you're saying, Mike, and, and Brandon and I both agree with is that mastery isn't going away. Right. Tools. Like it is a disruptor for people that are average to below average that we're, we're basically like doing commodity type work. Technology is going to replace that, but it doesn't replace mastery. And that's, that's kind of, that's who listens to this show. That's who we like communicate with are people that are seeking mastery. And, 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 you know, we want to dig into your mastery, Mike, and, and not talk about this tool, but it, it deserves to be talked about because everyone is talking about it. So thanks for sharing your thoughts on that. Let's, let's, let's kick it back. Uh, we're talking about decades. Let's, let's kick it back to your start, Mike. Um, you weren't always a direct marketer. We always kind of fall into this business, right? So kind of tell us your journey to get into this whole uh, cult. I mean, <clears throat> business of direct marketing that we fell into. 
Yeah, so uh, interestingly enough, Bob, I have a college degree from Penn State University in engineering, industrial engineering. And I was fortunate when I graduated that my last summer before I went one extra semester because I actually transferred from Texas A&M to Penn State. This is back in the 80s. Um, so I had to go one extra semester. So the summer before my fall semester, which was my last, I was able to get an internship at a local engineering company, which turned into a full-time job after I graduated. So that was very cool. And I did engineering at this small local uh, engineering company, design company for a number of years, three or four years, and kind of outgrew that and uh, applied to a, a local newspaper ad, if you remember those, that for a local company, it was a software company that turns out it was an engineering-based software company. So they designed CAD software and such. Um, and I applied and I got the job. It was a technical role. And uh, that company, when I, I was employee number 57, when I left eight years later, there was, they were in the thousands. They literally just went public two years ago. And wow. I, did, I did keep my stock options. So that was kind of cool. I got my little taste of uh, that little thing. But um, I, I joined it as a technical person. They were only doing coding and stuff like that. They had another outside company doing the sales and marketing. They brought that in-house and they asked for people in-house to say, hey, does anyone want to join the marketing department, which I raised my hand for. I was always interested in marketing. And um, so I cut my teeth in corporate style marketing. I spoke around the world. I traveled around the world. I met my, the woman who became my wife at that job. And at the height of the dot-com bubble, uh, 1998, I decided to leave this amazing job doing really well and uh, start my own consulting company. And for the first several years, Bob, I just worked with software companies, helping them with marketing, but again, more traditional corporate style marketing. And then I read my first Dan Kennedy book and it changed my world and <laughs> totally segued in the mid, about 2005, met Dan and um, you know, ever since just have been a direct response guy. We have similar stories. Yeah, I was in corporate <laughs> we for all, a while. We all do. I, yeah, corporate for a while and and was a graphic designer in the marketing departments. And then um, I liked making cool, pretty stuff, but the pretty stuff had to do something. So I got sucked into Dan Kennedy world. It's funny how Dan's influence, man. Holy cow. We just got somehow got introduced to that style of direct response marketing and has completely shifted our perspective, but yeah, same way. And to your point, Brandon, real quick. I mean, for me, that was over what, 16, 17 years ago. Yeah. It started with a book, which I know we're going to talk about, started with one of his books. And, you know, I actually ended up running one of his, uh, he who at the time was with Bill Glazer and they had these little chapters in around the country. I ran the Philadelphia one for them. And, um, but what's really cool is I'm seeing, you know, it happened before me. There was a lot of people that, you know, found Dan, before me or before, you know, 2005. And it's cool to see people happen. I'm working with a client right now who just really is, is where I was 15, 16 years ago. And he's on fire because it's like, mm -hmm. you know, when you're not used to, when you don't really understand good direct response marketing, and then all of a sudden a guy like Dan introduces it to you and the principles of it. It's like, a, it's a, for a lot of people, it's a big light bulb moment. Um, and it's cool to see this guy right now who's, you know, a successful guy. And now he's like totally bitten by the direct response marketing bug. Mm. I, I think it's important. Um, I'm not sure we dove into like, even what that is. I'm sure we have a lot of people that listen to the show that maybe are kind of familiar with Dan, maybe familiar with direct response marketing, but Mike, I just like to hear your, your perspective. Like, mm. what is it about that kind of marketing that, that, you look at it and go, this is the way we ought to market versus the way maybe we were taught in college. Yeah. And, and by the way, there, you know, some people, but a good buddy of mine always said, Oh, Mike, you're such a freaking Dan Kennedy fanboy. <laughs> right. I'm like, uh -huh. oh, no, I don't want to be a fanboy. So I want to just caveat. I mean, there's other guys, right. There's the, the Ogilvy's and the Capels from the early 20th century, mid 20th century. There's Jay Abraham. There's a bunch of people, right? So, but Dan, I just gravitated toward Dan because he's no nonsense. I just loved his voice, the way he presented himself. So just as a quick aside, but in my opinion, Bob, I mean, direct response marketing at its 
barest definition, most minimal de definition is it's marketing, any type of marketing, online, offline, print, digital, where there's always a goal to elicit a response, hence mm -hmm. direct response marketing. So we just, you know, recently the Super Bowl was on. There actually was a relative, there was a direct response ad. I couldn't believe it. They put a QR code up and, you know. There was a couple ads with QR codes, in fact. Yeah, so that's, yeah. you know, really a, a step in the right direction because yeah. most Super Bowl ads are, you know, uh, very generic, very brand oriented, very corporate type of marketing. Like, what the heck are they even selling? Can oh, they, they're they're they're, Holly, they're Hollywood short yeah, films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just they're just trying to create a buzz. Right. There's no way to respond. There's no reason to respond. Right. Good direct response marketing, you know, makes an offer. You know, tells you about something, but then it allows the interested people to now take a pathway to respond. Go get this. Download this. Go here. And then obviously it's measured, it's tweaked, et cetera. But that I think is my, I don't know what your thoughts are, what you guys think, but that to me is my definition of, you know, what mm -hmm. the differentiation. Hey founders, hope you're enjoying this conversation with Mike Capuzzi. Hey, Mike has been very generous to offer uh, us listeners gifts today. Uh, a couple of his books, if you go to mikecapuzzi.com forward slash gifts, that's uh, one P and two Zs, mikecapuzzi.com forward slash gifts. Uh, you can download a copy of the 100 page book and the shook quick start guide. Uh, Mike is the founder of Bite Size Books. He helps experts like you put their awesomeness into print and use that to grow and scale their business. So head over to mikecapuzzi.com forward slash gifts to get a copy of your books today. Now back to the show. You're listening to the innovative founder. Now back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. I, I was a part of the world of brand advertising and I know Dan, you know, used to hold up a crucifix to brand advertising and call it evil and and, and, and i think it's, it's i think it's always a mix i think it is brand advertising is yep. borrowed from direct response and vice versa and i don't think you can have nope one without the other today um in a lot of ways but uh but yeah i that that was it is is and as a designer you know i grew up i was i was right in that point where design went from um, very functional hand and table skills to Macs were introduced. Yeah. So I learned that and it was nice to make things pretty and cool. And I love really good design, but at the end of the day, I, I was working for a printer at the time and they said, yeah, we print things that people throw in the garbage two weeks ago, two weeks later. Mm -hmm. I'm like, God, what kind of a, what an awful sad business. <laughs> so it's like a lot of the design work I do is like, well, this should evoke something. This just should, should have a purpose. And and like you said, a, QR codes weren't a thing back then, but, but a download, a next step, a phone call or something. So I uh, got to appreciate that. Yeah. Well, we're going to, we're going to talk about books, but I, I first, Mike, I want to ask you about your grandma. Yeah. Um, I want to, I, I want to hear about this story about what, what grandma taught you about marketing. Well, actually, I called her my Nana. Aww. Okay. So I, I called Aww. her. So I had two of them, obviously. And they were both alive when I was, you know, when I was younger. Uh, so yeah, my Nana. So I call it my Nana strategy. And um, so this was specifically, Bob, referring to my mom's mom. So my maternal grandmother and wonderful lady. Her, her husband, my grandfather, was a, ph a pharmacist in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, um, his dad was a pharmacist. Unfortunately, he didn't know anything about marketing. So all he did was just grind it out every day. Um, I was just talking to my mom about it recently, just how they worked their butts off. And then when they, right when they died, they had nothing really to show for it. It's a shame, but they were just wonderful people, awesome people. I'd love spending summers up there. And, um, I would, you know, I had such protection. I was in my fortunately she was able to see me get married and everything and see my she never saw my kids but um so i was able to you know experience her for a number of years and i would do anything to protect her bob i would you know just i just had this immense love for this woman and i as i started thinking about it i would always be worried as she got older when she took her car into the shop or went somewhere to buy something that the owners the, 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 the employees didn't take advantage of her. Mm -hmm. So I came up with this idea of, you know, it's like sort of a, 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 you know, a version of the golden rule, treat people the way you want to be treated. And my Nana strategy is just treat people. I, I try to implement the Nana strategy by saying, I want to treat people like I'd want people to treat my grandmother. 
and respect her, respect her time, uh, respect her intelligence, and uh, you know, just treat her the right way. And I think a lot of, unfortunately, I think the three of us could, you know, tell story after story, even in today's day and age, how crappy customer service still is, how hard it is to do things, why business owners intentionally unsell at so many different opportunities, why they make it difficult to do business, et cetera. So the Nana strategy is an antidote to all those ills. Hmm. So is that the grandmother that wrote you a letter every week? Yeah. So how do you, where did I, I wrote that somewhere that you remember that. Jeez. Uh, we, 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 we have good researchers. I want, I want to yeah. hear about that. Talk, talk yeah. about, talk about the letters. Oh my. And I still have them. I have them downstairs. Um, I love it. So I told you, I went to Texas A&M for a year. So this was back 1984 to 85. I was in Texas A&M. This is back in the day, when, you know, we can all remember this, right? This is back in the day when, so I'm from Pennsylvania. I travel, whatever it is, 2,000 miles to Texas. And I wasn't at main campus. I was at, in Galveston Island, which is even more remote. Yeah. Studying marine engineering um, for a year. So uh, phone calls back in the day, if you remember, a couple dollars a minute. Oh, right? yeah. Expensive. Right. I had a girl, no internet. Right. I had a girlfriend back home. So I was literally handwriting her every week and sending in a mail, putting a stamp on, sending it to her. And then once a week, my girlfriend and I would get on a phone call and literally time it because I was on a budget. My grandmother, God love her. Every week I was there for the entire two semesters would write me a letter and send it to me, you know, and she had horrible handwriting. Like, I don't even know how I ever <laughs> arrived because it was so bad. Like, oh, how can you read this? You know, the postal service. Um, but she would just write me every week, just updating me on my grandfather and what's going on. And it was, you know, just this handwritten, I call it, you know, and again, I used that, I studied that and said, well, geez, and it, the, the feelings and the emotions, you can hear it now even, how it evokes it yeah. years later. Why not do that in our marketing? You know, the handwritten notes, the handwriting from a, even a design, you know, Brandon, um, this media you connection. Like if we as marketers and, and ChatGPT cannot do this as <laughs> yeah. of today to create that emotional connection, that's powerful. Mm. So that's, yeah, that was, yeah. The, I can't, yeah, that's really cool that you <clears throat> did. Um, what else are you going to apply to your hat? <laughs> Oh, we've, we've got, we've got more. We got a list. The, oh boy. Um, well, there, so you definitely, your energy definitely shifted when you talked about that. And this, this is something that is a lost art, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. Like, first of all, like I, I believe that I think better with pen to paper. Mm -hmm. um, yep. There's just something about the time it takes and the, and the, your, your brain talking to your hand. It, it's different than typing. I, I can't explain the difference. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just the way we've grown up, but there's something personal, something emotional about pen to paper. And then the act of, of intentionally thinking about somebody mm -hmm. that you're going to write to and the energy it takes to fold it, put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, put an address on it and then deliver it and then wait three or four days for that to get there. And then the excitement that person, cause you go in the mailbox, there's rarely anything you really give a shit about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden here's a letter from grandma or a letter from Mike, right? That that's something. And it's, it's a lost art, but you can see the emotion behind it. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, that is a key um, takeaway for the kind of marketing the three of us believe in, which is it starts with really knowing your who and structuring and creating a, a valuable content for that one individual. Now you might be working with a thousand of them, but it's always good to hone it down to one and just think of that person. And if you get in that mindset uh, of writing to one person, then it, it changes the tone. And in, in my opinion, it changes the tone and style that you're writing. So then it leads me to this question. Did grandma inspire copy doodles? Because that's where I got to yeah, know you from. So. Yeah. Like, so you said grandma wasn't very good with her penmanship. So did grandma's scratches and <laughs> and creative handwriting lead to the copy doodle product? Yeah, probably. You know, maybe it was deep down inside there. One of the, uh, you know, one of the uh, 
foundational, but I, I wouldn't say it was probably her inspiration. It really came about from me wanting to master good copywriting. And again, to go backwards in time, I, I have a huge library over here. John Caples, Ogilvy, Rosa Reeves, all these you know, famous, famous men. And there were you know, women back in the day too that would you know, just in the, you know, the, sort of the OGs of direct response and copywriting. Um, but as I analyze this, remember I have that engineer brain, right? Yeah. So I'll try to condense it as quick as possible. I saw Bob and Brandon, you know, example after example of good direct, you know, winning sales letters, winning mm -hmm. ads of the mm -hmm. day. And again, we're talking 1930s, 40s, 50s, et cetera. And I noticed there was a lot of handwriting elements as to sort of, you know, look here, do this, you yep. know, trying to draw the, the eyes, right? To get, you know, I, I call them eye magnets. And they would use this very personalized, style of a handwritten note or a handwritten doodle, an arrow, a circle, whatever it might be, to again, to attract the reader's eyes. And I, I yeah. started looking at it and like, man, that's kind of cool. So at the time, um, I was doing a lot of done for you marketing for my clients. Like I was writing the content, I was creating stuff. I was working with designers like Brandon to make things happen. And we started adding these hand-drawn elements. And the real behind the scenes story is my wife, who's got really nice handwriting. Uh, I was asking her to create these doodles mm -hmm. and we were doing them one-offs and doing it and, you know, adding a little arrow at whatever it might've been. And um, I'll never forget Bob, because again, and, and you might know him, Brandon, but again, I was part of a, a Bill Glazer mastermind back around 2007. And um between Bill Glazer finding out about it, because I showed him, mm -hmm. and if you want, I'll tell you a quick, very cool Dan Kennedy story, and Dan Kennedy catching wind. I showed him these doodles I was using. I said, listen, I have a way, I have a, I've created this really cool library. I call yeah. them copy doodles, and um, it just took off. So yeah. I have a really cool Kennedy story if you want me to share, but yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, um, it's uh, you know, that's, that, that was the real impetus, was just wanting to master what the masters before me were using. I want you to tell the Dan Kennedy story, but tell us what, so what did copy doodles end up being? Like, what, what was it? Well, initially, and again, this is like 2006, 2007. Um, initially it was, you know, I, I did it as a CD-ROM. If you remember what CD-ROMs yeah. were. Yeah. You know, the I still have it. Somewhere. I'm sure. I think I bought it. I right. think I bought it. I'm trying yeah, to Bill remember. Bill Glazer it. offered it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then I quickly realized, albeit a little bit, a little bit late, that this should have been like, you know, a SaaS system, a software as a service, you know, an online thing. So in yeah. 2010 or 2011, we turned it on into an online database and a membership program and all that. But I'll tell you guys, even till today, I still see copy doodles being used. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's so cool to go to a website and see our doodles or I've seen them on TV. I was at our local hospital. This is years ago on our local hospital, walking down, getting a blood, some blood test. And there was a big poster and there was our copy doodles. Again, I'm geeky. I know they're ours. I track yeah. it down. A local agency did it. The agency was a member um, of our program. And uh, I thought that wow. was kind of cool. So that's happened so many darn times. Um, huh. But yeah, essentially, that's, that's uh, essentially copy doodles was a library of enhancements hand for yeah. hand drawn. You would, you would plug them into a word document, just like you would any other image, yeah. red circles, red arrows, all I was just using of, them today, guys. I yeah. had to do something. I had to, we put a QR code in something. I put a little arrow. Check, you know, get yeah, the, yeah, yeah. This morning, I, I, I yeah. still use it. Yeah, I still I have a copy doodles folder on my Mac right now that I'm looking at. Like it's <laughs> yeah. it's it was just ingenious, and I think that's how I got to know you. Uh, it was the first thing in our because we we're in. I think we we overlap one year in Bill's mastermind or two years. I don't think. Um, but, but that, that's what I got to know you for was copy doodles. It was just a really cool product. I'll tell you about what would have been a genius. So it was cool and it was, it helped tens of thousands, if not more, what it would have been really cool would have been to figure a way to license, you know, like there's a royalty. So when you are using that damn right. doodle, I'm getting, a, I'm getting a penny. That right. would have been the way to do it. <laughs> Cause like you bought it once and I've never, you know, never gotten another dollar from you. So. <laughs> no, but you have my everlasting affection, which is, which is much more and valuable. Priceless. That's priceless. Yeah. yeah.
Thank I'll you. Take, I'll eat that all day long. We had a slippery fish out there. You say you had a good Dan Kennedy story. Ah, uh, this is a good one. You guys will again. I don't want to be like a fanboy, but this is a good one. So I mentioned <laughs> I was a chat. But Bill and Dan started these local groups. There was about a hundred of them in the heyday. Um, I won't tell you how I got involved, but it was that even that's a kind of a cool story too. But long story short, I ran the, the Philadelphia chapter, monthly meetings, and because of my skill set as a consultant. I was the most successful, they called them independent business advisors for a number of years. They had a good one in Chicago, um, but I was number one for a number of years. And in 2007, right? So the thing was going for about a year. Dan and Bill issued this challenge and, you know, it was a basic, like a contest, like who could do whatever. And three of us won. I was one of the three that won. So Dan, and you may, you guys may have been there. Dan was doing his sales. It was a sales conference he did somewhere where Sidney Biddle Barrows and he were doing the conference. Uh, I forget the name of it, but, um, and I forget where it was, but long story short, the prize for the three guys, because there were three of us, three guys, um, was lunch with Dan during a break. So uh, I, we, you know, I was at the event, went to the lunch. I was the only one of the three to show up for lunch. Now, this is in a private room in the hotel. Interesting. And it's Dan and me. Now, uh, I had met him once or twice through some IBA training before that. So he kind of knew who I was. And we got talking. I, I, you know, I had a gift from my chapter. I took a big photo of all our members at the time. And you know, we all autographed it. And I gave it as a gift. So it was just, a, you know, I, I didn't know him that well. But we're, we're talking. At the end of our lunch, I, find, I, say, I got the balls and basically pull out this CD-ROM. I had a little copy doodle CD-ROM set. I said, hey, Dan, I, I did this kind of cool thing. Got it. And I told him the quick backstory, kind of like I shared. And I slipped it over to him. I said, God, I'd love to know what you think. And just like you said, my energy changed, you know, early talking about my, my, my grandmother. It was amazing. His, he thought it was so cool. You know, he's like, ah, oh, this is great. He took a quick photo. He doesn't look that happy in it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's typical Dan, but he was happy. And then from there, it just took off between Bill Glazer, because then I shared it in our mastermind group, which I, you know, I, I shared it with Ben Glass. You know, yep. you know, so it just took off. Dan, Dan and Bill, if it weren't for those two guys and sharing it with their spheres of influence, um, it would have never you know, done what it did, but uh, it was a very cool ride. And, you know, here we are, whatever it is, 16, 17, 18 years later, we still have it. It's people are still joining it. Nice. You nice. got, you got Dan to be happy. You got Dan a smile and Dan Kennedy. The My old God. curmudgeon. Like well, we know something. that's sort of a, that's sort of a shtick. It's a facade. <laughs> yes, <laughs> It absolutely is. He can actually be a really, you know, a very enjoyable guy to be around and i've had yeah. since then a lot of different opportunities to be one-on-one -on -one with them and yeah it's it's if he likes you and respects you it's a very cool situation yeah it's a very cool you know environment so tell us a little bit about the short book the bite-sized books um because i've heard a lot of that over the years i've heard of uh some some call it a shook um tell us a little bit about that concept and how did that come to play? Is this something that you feel that you invented? That this is like, yes, awesome. I invented the short. Book. I want to. I want to. <laughs> he, he invented. He invented authoring books. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, but like the the short book concept. Is this something that you just kind of tell us the backstory of this? Did you kind of stumble into this? What was the? Because we've yeah. heard of the free reports, and then there's the full length books, and there's everything in between. How did you mark your territory with a short book? Well, we did come up. So we do call it a shook. So shook stands for short, helpful book. Um, okay. And yeah, I, I can't, I can't lay claim to inventing the short book. Uh, again, I have some <laughs> from, you know, 50, 60 years ago that were right. used in lead gen. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, us marketers, you know what we do. We put our own spin on something and then call it our own. So, yeah. Claim it. Yeah. Right. Well, no one has a shook, right? The shook right, right. are short, helpful books. It's my, you know, find a new word as we right. sit here and then I'm going to, well, I'm going to. 
point. As a branding guy, as a yeah. branding guy, Brandon, uh, yeah. you know the yeah. importance of, hey, there's McDonald's and Big, Burger King, Big Mac, yeah. Whopper. They, they're both essentially the same thing, but they have their own brand and they have their own yeah. intricacies. So yeah, that, that, you know, back to your point of branding is important. I still, I do believe branding is important. Messaging, uh, having a unique value proposition, having your own special sauce, et cetera. Um, so it really came down to a, a bunch of different reasons. I mean, part of that engineer brain kicking in, I realized, wait, it's, it's not easy. I mean, I don't know how the heck, Bob, even though you had co-authors, like your Facebook, you know, isn't that like 400 pages or some ridiculous thing? Oh, it was, it was 700 pages before uh, we edited yeah. it. Like, <laughs> to mail that would be like a hundred bucks, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, traditional length books for in the nonfiction genre for business, you know, two, 300 pages, typically um, they can be longer, like, you know, that one, they can be shorter, but I just, as I've gotten older, it kind of came out of necessity, Brandon. I love books. I typically used to read cover to cover. I don't anymore. You know, yeah. I don't. And, and now with the plethora of books and the ability to buy Kindle books and, you know, Kindle Unlimited and just get them. And if they bore you after five minutes, you can send them back. Yeah. So it came down to like, I've even myself, an avid master student of marketing and business, I wasn't reading the the entire book. I was, I was getting bogged down by the incessant repetition, et cetera. So I, I kind of figured, does it really need to be a 200 page book? So I kind of ended up on this sweet spot. I actually wrote a book back there called the hundred page book. So not only is it shorter. How it many be, pages is that book? <laughs> it's 96. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Gotcha. <laughs> ah! Well, hold on. Shenanigans. I know we're not doing video. Gotcha. I know 96 we're not doing, pages. I know we're not doing video. Shenanigans. Can you see it there? At the oh, bottom? 100. 100. The last okay. page is 100. All right. Fine. That's that geeky side. So not only is it shorter, it's designed to be read. I said, hey, you know, someone can get on a plane in New York City, and by the time they land in Chicago, they're done, or if they're in Chicago and heading to Denver, they, they can be done the book and they've gotten the gist. It hasn't bogged them down. They don't, they don't need a bookmark. They don't need to put it on their books, you know, next to their bed and, and pick it up again. The, the point is it can be read in about an hour to two hours for the average reader. So that's one thing. Then I overlaid two different layers on top of it and, and shut me up if I'm going too long here, but layer one is the design thing. So Brandon, you'll appreciate this. There is, there is an art and science to book design. And there's an art and science to good direct response book design, in my opinion. You know, it's mm. easy on the eye. It's readable. It doesn't, you know, confuse people, et cetera. So we overlaid that. I did a, a bunch of testing. This is five, six years ago with my, some folks on my list, did a bunch of different examples and asked them to say, you know, choose what appeared to be the most readable. Because if something can't be read, you know, if it physically cannot be read because it's so hard to read physically, um, small fonts, weird fonts, whatever, people aren't going to read it. So the design layer is one layer that I really honed in on, which a lot of people, I, I'm still amazed how many people help people with books and the books look like crap. Mm. And then the second layer was good direct response principles. Mm -hmm. So there's calls to action. We have a, an active call to action. We have a passive call to action. There's a whole formula. There's chapters on your special sauce. There, it from the front cover to the back cover and everything in between, it is methodically and very intentionally designed and laid out in a step-by-step -step process. That's what makes a shook. Mm. Okay. Love that. I'm going to pull something else out over here. What do you got? Well, I just want to show you this. Because I mentioned my one grandmother. I got to mention my other grandmother. So oh. My other grandmother was the Italian grandmother. Oh, I forgot one of those. Oh, oh. God, the way she... Whoa. So then, Brandon, yeah. you, you used recognize... to call her Nana. She used yeah. to call me Bruta. Bruta, Bruta. Bestia. Ugly beast. <laughs> she used to call me that when I would act up. It sounds like an, she Italian, grandmother. Yeah, it sounds like an Italian grandmother. She's going ugly beast. And then she's, she says some other words like ugly beast without a tail. And so I used to love to get her all riled up or something. And she's yell at me. Bruta bestia. So that's, all, that's, that's, that's my funny. Italian grandmother. Well, did your Italian grandmother have the little recipe cards again? I know. Oh my God. Yes. Be, right. So she my grandmother. Good stuff. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, you go right, there. You're going to get fed, man. You got no choice. You just got to eat. 
Stupidest Milky. thing I did was when she died, I didn't take those recipe oh, cards. But such good. This here is the Shook recipe card. So this was oh. a homage to my paternal grandmother. Yeah. We have the little Shook recipe card, and it has uh, number one, uh, ideal target reader. You know, this is like an ingredient list. Ideal target reader, have a big idea, have two calls to action, have five to seven main chapters have a next step chapter, have a special sauce chapter, have a great look, like, like, and then, you know, it's like a little recipe. Yeah. That is the recipe for a show. Hey everyone, hope you're enjoying this episode. We're covering a lot of ground here, chat, GBT, books, writing and resonance. Um, you know, it's funny with the whole movement, the new movement of chat GBT, everyone has concern about, is it going to replace a human? And I'm going to go out of limb and just say no, because you can never really replace the resonance that people have between people. And if that is something that you haven't utilized in your business, whether it's through copy, whether it's through photography, through creative and through video, it's time to do that because no one is ever going to replace you. No one is ever going to replace the way you connect with another human being that can't be robotized effectively. So if that's something that you feel like it's time to mobilize for your business, is it's time to repeat your sales cycle, your, your funnel, whatever it is with the personality and the conviction and the excitement and enthusiasm that you bring to your business and the solution that's world-class, then reach out to us at feedstories.com. Let's get in a call and let's talk about the different ways we can use video to repeat your resonance and resonate with the people you're trying to find. Thanks so much for joining us today. Let's get back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brendan Boyd. So how does it work now? Do you help people, coach people on doing this? What is, um, do you, have you noticed any, can you give us a success story? Like, because the question that pops in my head is like, you know, are, with Audible and, and like you said, the Kindle thing, are they still working? Are these mm -hmm. short books still working and how to use them effectively? Is that, do you have any stories for us around that or, or, or thoughts? Yeah, I mean, first of all, the primary, because again, I'm old school, the primary format of a Shook is a paper, you know, a short little paperback that can be easily mailed inexpensively because we're talking lead. This is a, a conversation started. This is meant to be used okay. um, at the beginning point, lead gen, et cetera. So, you know, having a 400 page book that costs you 30 bucks to print and then giving it away for free, for example, you know, you're going negative pretty quickly. Um, so first format is paperback. Then we do offer Kindle, we do offer audiobook because those types of media are very important also as to your point, Brandon. Um, by the way, just real quick, I think I may have mentioned this to you, Bob, this is the test print, but this guy's one of the guys that has just recently learned about Dan Kennedy. He's a former NFL football player, two, two Super Bowl rings, uh, left the NFL to become a medical doctor. And it's for guys that are losing their hair uh, I don't know if you could see it, but Joe Montana wrote the Ford for it. This is literally hot off the presses. Um, and he's a medical doctor, world-renowned hair restoration surgeon. There's his shook. Um, and now we're building out a funnel and all this other stuff that we're going to be doing for him. But you showed um, that to Bob because Bob doesn't have any hair, right? <laughs> That's why you're talking. But Bob's very Bob. comfortable with that. Yeah, yes. I don't know. I don't know he, why you, you'd you know, <laughs> on Bob. But Bob, if you're interested in a hair transplant, uh, yeah. My client, no, Bob. too much I maintenance. I wouldn't need that. <laughs> no, no, we, we, you and I've talked a lot about John. That's it's John. So Mike, Mike Brandon and I share very similar client bases in that there are subject matter experts in high trust industries and trust is at a premium these days. And so we create trust elements, right? Mike, you create books, we create video, you know, it's, it's very similar. How do you, how do you take your expertise and get people to trust you in an age where trust is just, it's, it's almost a, a barren desert, mm -hmm. you know, everybody is clamoring for your attention, but who can you trust? And it's very hard to determine that things like video, things like books make that possible. So you, you can't fake well, you can, it's very difficult to fake expertise on a video or in a book. Like it's, it takes a lot of effort to do that. And why do you want to do it? You're going to, you're going to do something else. But to us, you know, I've written five books. It's how I've catapulted my career. 
and you see that, Mike, that's why you help people do it. You, you can see the result of what they do. You know, um, what, what happens when you write a book? Well, people trust you and it leads to places, right? Yeah. I mean, again, going back to what the, you know, originals did over a hundred years ago. I mean, they were using books as lead gen device, you know, as I've tracked it back into the 1890s. Mm-hmm. So it's a time-tested thing. Yes, the media, I, I still think a lot of you know people still prefer a book, something they can hold. But yes, there's Kindle, there's digital books, there's audiobooks. And um, yeah, I don't think books are going away anytime soon. As And you're right. I mean, and to, to, just to add to your point, Bob, these assets, these trust assets, these trust elements you refer to, key, they're so key but it's still just a piece of the puzzle, right? You've got to, you know, you, the business owner has to be, you know, authentic, integrity based. And, mm-hmm. you know, it can't just be something you put out there and don't live it, if you will, because people will sniff it out very quickly these days. But uh, without a doubt, it's, it's a critical part of, I think, any business owner, any entrepreneur, any corporate leaders um, repertoire and, and arsenals it has to be these kind of trust elements you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Anybody else you want to brag on that you've written, helped write a book and it just, oh, they've gosh, taken we're off. We're up to like 240, 250 authors over the last couple of years. Uh, a lot of main, mainstream, excuse me, main street type authors. So the local business owners, uh, kind of like John, even though he's a little wider than local main street. Um, and then we have, you know, what we call the worldwide uh, authors, guys like you and me that have a worldwide audience. So many, many stories, but there's one I'll just off the top of my head. Um, Cause you may remember him. He was, he was in Michigan. You remember? I don't know if you ever bumped into the, to Dr. Kevin Flood. No, can't recall. So Kevin Flood was an, unfortunately he's passed away. He passed away a couple of years ago. Very unexpected. It was very, very much a shame. Uh, he was a Grand Rapids, Michigan biological dentist, holistic dentist. And what that means is he was the type of very contrarian. So it made him a perfect um, candidate for you know a book that was somewhat contrarian. But he was the kind of dentist that, you know, took out mercury because mercury is very bad. So if you have amalgams, those silver mm-hmm. things in your teeth, that's really bad. Um, so he was very anti-mercury, anti-fluoride. Fluoride's bad for a lot, you know, a lot of reasons. So he wrote a shook. I still have one of his copies over here. Um, Are Your Teeth Toxic? That was the name of the, the shook. Mm-hmm. And I use him as an example because I, you know, I didn't know if you recall him. He was a Dan Kennedy guy back in the day. And um, one of the strategies we suggest local business owners who are now authors use is to put their books, display their books, kind of like I'm doing behind myself, uh, in partner companies. I call them strategic partners. So he's a biological dentist. That means health-oriented people, people who are interested in their health and optimizing their health are going to be his ideal patient. So where did he put his, where did he display his shooks? Yoga studios health food stores, chiropractors. So he went out into the local community. He, people already knew him and said, hey, can I just leave a bunch of these books here? I, he put a little, I, I have right over here, um, a little rack card said, hey, free book, you know, take one. And what was so cool was in the first 30 days of doing that, three new patients, three people became patients, not prospects, patients, which you know, for him was at the time like three or four, $5,000 of value. Um, within the first 30 days. And, uh, you know, it's just, it it shows many, many different um, sort of takeaways of what he did and why he was so smart. But um, I just still remember to the day that how powerful that was for him. Unfortunately, he died soon thereafter, but, uh, Hmm. um, you know, who knows what he could have done with them. Interesting. What's, uh, what's on the future? What's, what's the, your crystal ball, my, what's uh, um, tapping a little bit back into chat GBT and your industry specifically, if you had a little bit of a crystal ball of what's, what's going to happen, what would you, where would you see the, the book going? I know recently I've seen stuff coming up on children's books being written by chat GBT and there's a lot of people out there capitalizing on that and doing that, but yeah, you know, uh, Brandon, it's, it's actually not a great, it's a great question, but based on what we were talking about earlier and what I'm yeah. in my mind right now, because I've just, you know, I'm, I'm been hot and bothered by this lately. 
Well, it's okay if that's it. If it's, no, I, I don't think it's, it's a good. big question Honestly, mark. I, don't I get think it's it. Gonna get, I don't think it's good. I think as we were talking about earlier about how marketers can bastardize stuff. Yeah. I yeah. think people, because it can be done, and I'm not saying I'm definitely not saying do it. I would never do it. Um, they're going to use AI to write books for them. And instead mm. of taking, you know, weeks, months, years, whatever it might take someone, it's going to take minutes and hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of things are going to suffer in my opinion, but I think there's going to be probably, you know, there's probably going to be a, not like there's not already a ton of competition out there in whatever we all do. Yeah, uh, helping people write books, publish books, helping people with video, et cetera, helping people design. It's going to be even more so, I think. Um, so, you know, we didn't even talk about it, but aside from mastering all the skills, you have to be personable. People have to like you. You got to be someone of influence. People have to follow you. That's, that's how you build a sustainable business. So, you know, um, but I, I don't, I think short, you know, short term, I think there's going to be a lot of people using thing, the tools the wrong way, and it's going to probably have a negative effect overall. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Feels a little like a rant too. Usually we ask our guests to do a 60 second rant. I think that yeah. kind of qualifies as a rant. Yeah. We'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. I like shortcuts, but I don't like shortcuts if that makes sense. So uh, yeah, you know, it, 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 it all depends on how you're using. What's well, interesting. You, we see the capability of this and we, we it's like there's a love hate going on here because we all have been writing to some degree and we appreciate copy that resonates and and the connection between humans that comes through really good copy and then there's also this terrifyingly easy thing that i can put this into a prompt and have a robot impersonate a highly empathic human and and you can you you know at this point I knew you can tell ChatGPT to write it with a sense of humor. You can write it from a perspective of imagine you are this person. That's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying because it's also terrifying. Like because I would probably try it. I would probably use it to see if I could get some stuff well, done. We so have there's this. There's what about school? What about education? My kids right. are in yeah. college. I mean, yeah. think about this weapon in the oh. hands of you know back yeah. in the day when we were on school. Like that's, you know, remember the days yeah. when we had to pull off the encyclopedias and do our oh, research yeah. for, oh, yeah. you know, a, a 500 word, whatever it was, white paper or paper we had to do. Yeah. And it took us weeks. Right. Right. Um, it, that's the really scary part. It yeah. is. I, are, I think are humans relevant anymore. <laughs> that's the well, big scary thing. I think the, I think the alarm, the alarmist inside of us is saying, we we fear we, what we fear for the generations to come is the ability to be critical thinkers uh, and that's that's what that's what separates humanity from machines and technology is how the skills required to think critically yeah. to think for yourself to be creative um the fact that we re would rely too much on technology to give us answers and not that that is what's scary for society in my opinion we're we're at the mercy of the programmers bias who program the AI to basically allow them to tell us how to think. That that is what scares me. Mm -hmm. It most excites me to say, hey, we have a tool that we can use. But if we if the tool becomes the thing, then we're actually in a very dark place as a human race. Um, but we don't want to end on a dark note, though. No. So we, <laughs> we need we need something happy, Mike. Like we, we've got to end on something happy <laughs> well, here. No, here's the here's the happy part, and 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 this is focused on books. The good news is. Bob, if you remember when you wrote your first book years and years ago, you probably had to order a couple thousand to get the price point down. And, and the, yes. the, the, the ability to do them was really challenging. Like I had ordered 3000 copies of my first book, which I wrote published in 2007, just to get the price point down. And they had to be delivered in big boxes to my office. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. um, technology, Amazon has made writing a book publishing a book and printing a book a lot easier, thereby making it much more doable for most people, a lot more people, which I think is a good thing. I think each of us have our own voice. Each of us help people in a unique way. Most of us should be writing books, at least the one book, the first book. Um, so I think that, you know, the, the positive note is 
people are always going to be looking for answers to something that you personally have an, you know, a skill set with. You can help them, you can guide them, you can show them how to do it, whatever it might be. Whatever business, whether you're a pizza shop owner or a hair restoration surgeon, there's going to be people. It's up to you to figure out your little space in this world. And the good news is technology and the tools are only getting better. Um, and uh, I think it makes it a lot easier for, for you know, people to, uh, to help more people. That's because that's what it's all about, right? That's what we're doing on this podcast. Yeah. Trying to help people. If you're serving your readers, listeners, whatever it is first, um, and technology is helping that. Amen. I think it just, you know, it's a good thing. That sounds like a great place to end Mike. What a, what a gift to spend an hour with you again. Thanks yeah, for sharing your stories. Yeah. Uh, thanks for what you do for entrepreneurs and, and helping people get their, their messages out. Uh, love what you do and can't wait to uh, collaborate with you and, and help some of your clients do even more with video. So thanks for being on the show, Mike. Appreciate thanks, you. Mike. Great show. Brandon. Thanks, Bob. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regnerus and Brandon Boyd, a show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.